1: This podcast is supported by the Victorian Planning Environmental Law Association, more commonly known as VIPLA. VIPLA is a non-political, multidisciplinary professional association concerned with planning, legal and environmental fields. Welcome to PX51 today. I'm Jess Noonan and as always I'm joined by my podcasting partner, Peter Jewell.
0: Always good to be with you Jess. A
1: lot of P's in there. Yes. <laughs> so today is an extra special day for two reasons. First of all, it's Pete's birthday. Happy birthday, Pete.
0: Thank you, Jess. Thank
1: you. Um, And second of all, we have our second appearance by PX champion, John Henschel. Hi, John.
0: Good afternoon. Pleased to be here.
1: John was the founding partner of Essential Economics, which recently became part of Ethos Urban. John is an urban and regional economist and town planner with over 40 years of experience in urban and regional economics and in land use planning and development, both in Australia and abroad. John has just released a fantastic book. Downtown Revitalisation and Delta Blues in Clarksdale, Mississippi. The book was officially launched on Tuesday evening, so it's hot off the press. So John, what is a Melbourne economist writing a book about a smallish town population of 16,000, which is 15,000 kilometres from home?
2: Good question, Jess. (laughs) I first went there in 2001 and I've been back every year since, except one year, and in those early years, up to about 2008, I noticed that revitalisation was happening because the downtown itself at that time was very dead and dull and boring. There was no traffic in the streets, no shoppers, no shops were open, or very few were open. A lot of vacant buildings. So I
0: noticed that coming about. And so, um now, yeah. John, you were drawn to it because of your love of the blues. And Clarksdale is a very famous place for the blues. That's correct. That's correct, absolutely, yes. Some of the notables from there?
2: Let's see, uh, Robert Johnson, Muddy Waters, uh, John Lee Hooker, people like Ike Turner and Sam Cooke, who were other parts of the genre, and a host of other, other... Males and females from the Delta.
1: We'll have to make sure we put a nice um, bluesy introduction on we this will, one, we'll get,
0: we'll get Zach, our audio genius, to do that. Now, John, this is a very personal journey for you. You know, The Clarksdale time it all, and your affinity with the place all came about through, and the book, through considerable adversity. That's true, mm. Peter, that's true. Back in '06, I had been to Clarksdale um,
2: and I came back for a pre. Determined operation for gallstones takes 40 minutes and you're out the next day and back at work. But I woke up six um, sorry, seven days later in a, an induced coma, okay. hooked up to life support. And uh, that really, and I was off work for three months and I was talking with a planning friend who said, uh, What am I going to do? It was Sue Wood. It was Sue Wood. And she put me on the track. She said, do You like. ...writing about small towns, about blues music and about Clarksdale. Why don't you go there and write a a book? And that's how it all
0: started. And how did the locals treat you? Well, I went to the city... I mean, it's a bit odd. An an Aussie turning up from 15,000 k's away... ...saying, uh, I could help a little bit. Well, they were accepting. I went to the county office and the
2: city office. I was looking for a base map so I could do some field work... ...but they didn't even have a base map in the town... You know, I went to the public works and they didn't have one. So goodness knows how they do their infrastructure planning and so on. But uh, people were accepting and they didn't... They were accepting but they didn't know what they were going to see. I didn't have a client as such. Originally it was going to be my own personal odyssey but at a meeting to do a Main Street program they said, we know what we want but we don't have a plan. So that's how I switched from doing a, a personal odyssey, a, my blues odyssey, into an action plan. And uh, I did hand it over to the city and the county the day before I left, and they were. uh, And what year was that, John? 2008.
1: And can you describe where Clarksdale is today?
2: Yes, it's certainly a vibrant uh, downtown. It's uh, kicking goals in terms of the numbers of new businesses that are opening up across the board, uh, the new jobs created, the numbers of visitors they have.
0: Now, this is all at the back of the
2: blues heritage. Principally, yes. It's also well known as a place where um, Tennessee Williams grew up as a boy and a lot of other stories like that. Mm. And the hospitality, the southern hospitality is very important.
1: Mm. Yes. And so just taking a step back then, it's it's obviously turned into quite a successful little town. What did the Clarksdale planners there do to help? Or did, they, did they assist at all? Uh, Was big, there anyone there?
2: <laughs> a big smile crosses my face because they're... There weren't any planners or economic development people as such.
1: Mm-hmm. They were
2: very interested and keen to assist, and I interviewed the various officials and uh, elect- elected representatives, but um, they didn't really have a database to assist. So everything that's in the book has been drawn from personal interviews with people and, and references to the historic documents in the library there and that sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, your book, uh, John, tackles the issue of creativity. It, it seems a very hip concept at the present, uh, kicked off by Florida's book. Was it Richard Florida? Richard Florida was one of them and also mm. Charles Landry. And, and they wrote about the importance of creative places. Correct, they yeah. did, yes. Now, now uh, what can authorities do to foster creative places, do you think? I, I know your book does have a bit of a template. Yes.
2: Well, the first the first uh, in the first instance it's necessary to find something that you can hang your creativity on if it's creativity it could be something else like the small town of Casterton in Western Victoria has their inaugural Kelpie weekend coming Mm. up apparently Kelpies were born and bred in Casterton originally Mm. Um, Clunes is a small town which is now a book town one of the few internationally so it just depends on what you've got to hang, hang the idea on the concept
0: it, it reminds me, Jess, of uh, PX Seven with Andrew Dixon from yeah. the UK. Remember his—he uh, was talking all about the Angel of the North and all the and Hull turning Hull around in the UK. That's right. About and he said uh, in that interview long ago, each place has something ab- about itself. Yes. You just need to find that. Certainly, that's mm. that's one of the keys to the creativity.
2: In some small towns and cities, it might be industry, mm. or it might be. Um service centre for the surrounding region. In this case, I'm looking at the creativity aspects of it.
1: And it's being able to tell that story appropriately so that people understand it and pe- the people that are interested will, will find that story.
2: Well, we hope so because mm. in the early days, I'd speak to shopkeepers and so on and they'd say, no, nah, nothing's happening here. This town is dead. And that's starting to turn around now, 180 degrees, that oh. attitude. It's a very poor place, isn't it, John? It's very poor. Mm. It's very poor. About 35% of the population are below the poverty line. The national figures are around 9%. Uh, The value of a a typical house is about $50,000, whereas the American average is Mm. $155,000. Figures like that indicate that it's very poor, and that's also reflected in the education system.
0: And was it hard to get a diverse community together? I mean, you've got... over there, you've got the there's the cultural divide the racial divide the socioeconomic divide uh, is it hard to get everyone together with a with a forward vision it can be difficult and i know that the
2: powers that be in clarksdale find that but um to their credit they've been able to blend the communities together as much as they can and they've got contributions from the from the, the white community the Ameri- white american community and the african-american community um so, that is that is happening and I see it increasingly as I return there each year.
1: Just going back to creativity again, is, do you think that the concept, the concept of creativity requires a willingness um, from entrepreneurs to take on that business risk?
2: Correct, yes. Yeah. Yes, and they, they see the opportunity even in a derelict building that they can restore
0: and then add to that with, with functions and events and so forth. I suppose it gives the entrepreneurs some confidence that there's a movement in the one direction and they're not not—they're not alone in a, in essence. Very true, yes. Yeah. And with Clarksdale, I was lucky enough to go listen to the book launch the other night and you were saying that when you went there, there was no blues being played or very sporadically. Now there's blues played every day. There's multitude of levels of restaurants available, eating places, whereas there, once there was one very modest place i think you described it as <laughs> correct and there's lots of housing options
2: that's that's right when i went there in 2001 there was just one diner where you could get fried eggs and and drip a later coffee now there's about eight restaurants in the downtown and there was only one music on one evening when i was there during those few days but now it's 365 nights a year and there's a range of venues from Duke joints to blues clubs and so forth
1: As someone that hasn't been to Clarksdale, can you provide a bit of a visual um, description of what the main street looks like now? Is it – what kind of density is it? Is it a wide main street? Is it a narrow main street?
2: Delta Avenue and East 2nd Street are the main streets. And when I first went there, they were one-way streets. They were so narrow relative to a shopping street. But now they're two-way, which sort of helps with the congestion. I'm a big believer in having traffic in In your main streets and in those days there was no parking but now you it's difficult to get a car park and when you go into town you could feel a little depressed as you enter because it's a lot of derelict buildings and such and um, but once you get into the downtown you can actually feel the vibrancy there are people on the street which is wonderful I imagine the Delta is flat
0: and hot a lot of the time is that about right absolutely especially in summer it's 100 degrees, and it's, it's very flat. Mm. Mm. Now, just going back to the strategies, John, um, uh, f- to help create creative places, you need a suitable framework and a coherent strategy and for this to flourish, and you need to identify certain things that you want in terms of the physical assets and things like that? That's correct, and in this instance, it was really the individuals themselves that have,
2: that have discovered, in inverted commas, those things that they can build upon, and uh, I really give credit to the community itself, particularly those that are concerned with the
0: downtown as such. And one of the things you in your book you talk about is you want to keep the authenticity of a place. You don't want to sort of disney it or put on you know, new facades and things like that. You want the rawness presented mm. well, is that...? Absolutely. That's very much the case Peter, and I
2: can quote towns that have been disney mm. and they're not really worth visiting as a,
0: as a tourist or other visitor. Mm. Mm. And and for places to do well, do they have to be creative? Well, we're talking here about the blues music and that
2: creativity, but as I said earlier, uh, perhaps in a different era, Clarksville could have been a bigger manufacturing centre or a bigger uh, service centre for the for the surrounding delta, but what they're hanging their hat on is the the cultural aspect, the creative aspect in that sense.
1: What about your hometown of Wangaratta? So it's got a blues festival Jazz. up there it now. It does.
2: It does. It's a similar size to Clarksdale. Wangaratta is 17,000 people compared with Clarksdale, 16,000. And um, and I grew up there. They have their International Jazz and Blues Festival every year, but this year it's been ca- cancelled. They're re- re-aligning the festival. But the point I'd make there is that um, after Cup Weekend, when it's held, there's not one ounce of blues and jazz heritage in the town. Mm. Whereas in Clarksdale, a similar-sized city, it's uh, teeming with that creative aspect.
1: So it's sort of embedded more so in the in the culture of the town, whereas in Wangaratta there really isn't that connection back to the blues.
0: That's certainly my interpretation, yeah. yes. So, so, so you need not just the one event. You need you need a whole lot of supporting things. Like, a bit like Clunes has done... Yes, certainly. Well, that's, yeah, that, that's not a one-off thing. That's all the time now. Is that so, Blues I mean, as well? No, that's the Booktown. Oh, the Booktown. Oh, yes. sorry, Clunes yes. is yeah. about 30 minutes from Ballarat. I used to have a weekend of there, John, so I know it well. Um, and one of the biggest private schools opened a campus there as well for their Year 9 students. That's right. But it's got a tremendous local community too. It does have. And I was there the day that their, their bakery opened. Re-opened. And, boy, you could hardly get a park
2: in the street <laughs> that day. And mm. I think mm. it just reinforces the importance of having a bakery in a small town.
0: Mm. Mm. Uh, John, w- with Richard Florida, uh, he, he, his book about creative places, that talked about big, big cities, didn't it, like the world cities? It certainly I did. think in your book you talk about the importance of small towns for creativity and associating with that. That's the focus of the book, yes, the small towns. They,
2: they get ignored by by many of the academics and others, and then practitioners too, probably.
0: Hmm. And who are your favourite authors of, on Small Town Revitalisation, apart from yourself? Well, you're my favourite <laughs> author, John. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you,
2: Peter. Uh, my favourites... Uh, well, Charles Landry is a very readable academic from the UK, and his work I really enjoy reading. It's very descriptive and it's a, it's a good narrative. Richard Florida has written extensively on it. He's from the US... He has a more quantitative approach to it with indices and so forth, like mm. the bohemian industry, the yeah. gay industry, and mm. so forth. Mm. And when you're looking at those statistics, they don't really tell mm. you the
0: whole story. Mm. I think he talks a 30% creativity index, whereas Australian research is more like 4 or 5%. Yes, international research generally is about 4 or 5% mm. directly creative. And what about local authors in Australia?
2: There are several. Uh, I'd have to go back and read through the book again. It's a while since I read that part of it. But, there are, of course, there are many of our colleagues in, in urban planning and placemaking who are very strong on, on this creative aspect as well, from the ground up.
1: Thank you to Song Bowden planners who offer excellent personalised service. Call Dave Song or Dan Bowden through details on our website.
0: Also, we thank Victorian Planning Reports, our very first supporter. If you want the A to Z of planning decisions in Victoria and excellent editorials, please get yourself a subscription to the VPRs. Details on our website.
1: So John, you obviously have a really long history um, with small towns and studying small towns over the years. Um, Back in the early 80s, you prepared a small town study? That's correct, yes. Can you just tell us a little bit about that and how, I guess, Clarksdale compares to some of the towns that you studied in that? Yes,
2: certainly. That was back in uh, 1988 it was published and it was for the Department of Rural Affairs. And we looked at um, six particular towns – of a different nature, if you like, so we could apply the findings more generally across Victoria. And at the time, it was, um, it was groundbreaking for us in the sense that it was the first time, really, officially, that a lot of local people had been invited to contribute to their town's planning and development and so forth. It was happening elsewhere, of course, but this was the first time that we had a statewide approach to it. And uh, the towns were all different. Um, beachworth which was then a public service centre mainly uh, stanhope a small rural community and the like you know so on
0: it sounds that was a very innovative study for the time john do you think pl- we need more sort of blue sky research projects like that
2: that, that that's a good question peter i think the value of the small town study was that it was both qualitative and quantitative mm. and we did an awful lot of interviews with local people and so forth. That's hard work. It is. And I think mm. uh, there are people today who get involved in the engagement side of mm. planning and I think that's got mm. to be more highly rated than we mm. do mm. otherwise. But more, be- stu- more studies, I'm thinking, Jess. Yeah, definitely. More research things.
1: Definitely. Mm. Beechworth is yes. a lovely town now.
0: Beechworth—it's mm. come a long, long, it's come way. A long way. Yeah, Definitely. certainly has.
1: Yeah, the tourist—the the tourist numbers there must be significant now. I don't know what they are off the top of my head. T- tourism, rail trails. There's so many good right. things out there, yeah. and of
0: course, the Beechworth Bakery. Yeah, of course, <laughs> the Beachworth. Of course. Yeah, now, John, in, in, we were talking about Clarksdale before. People in the town when you initially went there were down on their town. They didn't have much pride in the place. That's correct. Nothing much yes. happens here. That sort of thing. How did you get people to turn around and to enjoy and value and feel really proud about where they were?
2: Well, that's what happened. But, I again, I, I, I think that reflects the local people themselves who got involved. Um, of all of the businesses that have been established there, some 60% are by local people, born and bred. The other 40% are newcomers to town. That's incredible. And it's those... That group of people, if you like, entrepreneurs and business people and such, who've really invigorated
0: the mm. community. It's, it's like a cross fertilization between existing and old, and sometimes you need outsiders to see the value a- and to take the risks, maybe? Absolutely, yes, mm-hmm. yes. And, that, and it's across the age groups as well. There are
2: young people and older folks and there are chiropractors and merchant marinas and mm. goodness mm. knows, a whole lot of different sorts of people. They're not necessarily musicians and
0: artists. And an economist from Melbourne, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and you mentioned it's a very poor place. With all this new economic activity, it must be filtering down to the, the less well-off in the town? It is in the sense that whereas there was one
2: diner, now there's eight restaurants. And when you think about it, you've got front of house, back of house, etc., cetera, et cetera. And my observation is that many of those uh, occupations are now being held by African-Americans, which is great. And um, there's a new place there, it's been there two or three years, called My Grandma's Pancakes. And that's uh, African-American owned and operated. um, The best fried eggs you can ever imagine. We're
0: going (laughs) there.
1: (laughs) Oh, and you guys are going,
0: aren't you? We, oh, I'm going to South Carolina and North Carolina fairly soon. That's the other side. Ah. Of, That's oh, lovely as well, and yeah. you'll see yeah. exactly... The I thought smile. you were going to
1: go to Clarkstar.
0: No, I'm not going to Clark no. We will. I'm, no. I, I really want to go, John, listening to you <laughs> pump it up and you're reading your book, Magnificent. Oh, so, John,
1: you. as part of your book, I think it's at the, at the back actually, you do provide a template on how small places can be revitalised. Can you talk to this a little bit? What What is that template?
2: Well... I've called it lessons for small cities and towns, and it's not news to those of us in in urban planning and development and rural towns
0: and so forth, because we know all of this, perhaps, or we should do. But it's good to have it in a place written down that it's easy to understand. It doesn't not chapters and chapters. You've yes, done, I would you've agree. done it concisely. You've done it beautifully, John. I'll give you a couple of examples, Peter. Uh,
2: The first one is to identify the importance of a particular asset, theme or other feature upon which your development can be pursued. Another lesson, if you like, in adverted commerce is to support and encourage the champions and creative people, and there are many of those in this small town. Another one is to get organised and generate community support, and they did that through their Style Revitalisation Incorporated, and... uh, facilitate the availability of supporting facilities and services so it's not just about attracting in this case creative activities Mm. venues and restaurants and so on but also to make sure that you've got shops there that can provide um coca-cola and biscuits if that's what you're looking for that type Mm. of thing Mm. make sure everyone's reading from the same page Mm. Mm. and of course we know from local work here that there are turf wars in communities small and large we need to avoid those
0: turf wars. There is. And your book talks about the theory of creativity and then there's a chapter on that and then there's a chapter on the actual reality of creativity in style, using that as a case study. And did the theory match match closely to the reality? It's interesting that um, the reality of it all
2: happened locally on their own time and effort. And those people would have had no reference to the likes of the, the academics like Charles Landry and, and others. They didn't know that that theory existed. How
0: interesting, Jess,
2: that it worked. Yes, without uh, mm-hmm. Charles Landry has ten points that you must cover off if you want to be a creative place. And in every instance, Clarksdale ticks all of those boxes and they knew nothing about the theory.
1: Yeah, right. You must be incredibly proud Going back there now and actually seeing some of the things that you put in that strategy coming to fruition and seeing that change.
2: Well, yes, but I put it down to the local. Pardon me, the locals themselves who've actually taken the initiatives, and uh, I don't know that they've many of them have necessarily read the original action plan. No, I did, I did go into a pizza place a couple of years back, and I said to the guy, "Now, why did you set up this pizza shop here?" And he said, "Well, he said you said that we needed to have." Things to do and places to go in the downtown for families, and sure enough, that's what a pizza place attracts: is families, mums and dads and their
0: kids. Now, listeners, you would have heard a little softening in John's voice. Um, he, his daughter has your, your daughter has given you a nickname, John. That's correct. And yes. all blues people have a nickname. And what's your nickname, John? It's uh, <laughs> Johnny Tear Jerker Henshaw, because <laughs> <laughs> John, uh, listeners, is known to to take things quite on board and he's a very emotional uh, that so that's that's great John that's a lovely way to be and uh, I think it sounds like uh, at the book launch you had someone over from Clarksdale who runs a shop there and yes that's Roger Stolly and yeah. he's been there for 16 or 17 years now yeah so he's a newcomer as well correct mm. yes and, and he spoke very poignantly about the, the, the turnaround there he did and
2: and Roger who runs a, a the cathead blues and folk store there he's essentially a retailer but actually he can cross every box for the occupations he carries out instrumental for example in getting the duke joint festival up and running with a couple of other people he organizes so many gigs a year Mm. he takes tours
0: to europe and israel and south america etc so he needs to be you need your local heroes don't you Absolutely, yes, Mm. certainly. A question, how is um, – I'm ignorant on this, John – how are the Delta blues different from the other blues in 30 seconds? Good question. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know until I went to the Delta, really, even though I'd grown
2: up on blues. It's it's low-key, low-investment. It's like the diddly-bow, which is a string, a wire attached to the doorway, the front porch. It's an acoustic guitar and a couple of drums, which could be four-gallon petrol drums – Whereas when you go north to, say, Chicago, you've got the electric blues and everything else that goes with it. And if you go to, to Los Angeles, it's probably more razzmatazz type of blues, you know, dressed up and, and great. But uh, down in the Delta, it's,
0: it's low-key and very mesmerising. I've got a tough question here for you, John, unlike the rest. Um, Robert Johnson is known f- famously at, to have done a deal with the devil at the crossroads at Clarksdale. That's correct, yes. And can you just tell our listeners a little bit about that legend? Certainly. Mm.
2: This was back in the 1930s and Robert Johnson wasn't really adept at playing the guitar and people would tell him that. Then he disappeared for a period of time and he came back on the scene and he could play the blues guitar. And the story is that he went down to the crossroads. Now that's disputable as to where it is. That's the two highways, yeah? Yes, Mm. 49 and 61, which are in Clarksdale. And there's a monument there, if you can call it that today, very low-key monument. But in my view, if it was in Clarksdale, it wasn't at that location. It was because it didn't exist when Robert Johnson was around. The real crossroads in a Clarksdale context is about a kilometre away. As
0: urban expansion went out, the, the, the two highways crossed at different places. So you do believe in the supernatural story that he did sell his soul to the devil? I believe the story. Whether the <laughs> devil exists, I don't know. <laughs> the so this, devil is in the details. So the story is he he sold his soul to the devil so he could play guitar. That's right. Yes. So the question is, what would you sell your soul to the devil for to do, <laughs> to be? <laughs> well, oh well, well as
2: I might say, uh, probably a nice place in heaven <laughs> if I believed in all those
0: things. But uh, that would be reassuring.
1: Now, John, any tips for those contemplating writing a book?
0: And maybe complete this sentence. Those contemplating writing a book should be prepared for? Lots of drafting and redrafting.
2: Lots of late nights reading, reading books and magazines and websites and so forth. Talking with people is very important and getting that personal input that, that the individuals can provide to your story. And what's your next project, John? I'm just going to start relaxing, Peter. I've uh, <laughs> Really and truly, three days a week, I'm, I'm learning how to relax and I just want to get into the, the library of books that I've got on this very topic, which I haven't had a chance to
0: read for a long, long time. All right. Well, listeners, I do hope you have a look at John's book, Downtown Revitalization and Delta Blues in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Uh, it's, go- it's very accessible. I-, I can understand it, readers. So, and c- great lessons from the States. A- and also local local stories too. And Jess, what have you, what's caught your eye, attention of late?
1: Well, you'd be very glad to know I finally finished the book 1788, which has oh, taken me goodness. close to five, six months, I think, now to finish. Oh. Very interesting. Highly recommend it. Mm. Um, so I've moved on to my next deep book of 2019. Uh, why do you do this, <laughs> Jess, to yourself? Which is Sapiens, um, which mm. is about the history of humankind and homo sapiens. It's very well, interesting. What about you, Pete?
0: Well, yes, I've been to Japan and I, I, I love all things Japan, of course, but I think we should just d- copy them with everything with bicycles. The way they uh, design their streets for bicycles, you'll see 87-year-old women riding bikes, you'll see six-year-old kids. No one, are, no one has to wear a helmet there, of course. But they've also their bike, bike parking stations they have in the central city areas where they're multi-level, staffed, very safe. You can't leave your bike on the street there. But everything, and the bike hire places all work so beautifully, easy, we should just copy them. So uh, that's good. The other thing, today, as you say, is my birthday. I had a thought the other day about with predictive technology, with AI and things like that, you will soon be able to predict, well, give or take a little bit, the day you'll die. I'm sorry, Chris, this is a bit sad, but- um, It's very dark yes particularly Uh, on your birthday oh yes and uh so this predictive technology will say you will die on the say the 30th of may 2042 and that would change i think people's views of their mortality how
1: does it come up with this age
0: you factor in your history, your family history, your lifestyle. They ask you a lot of questions. I'm just saying this is how it works. They'll ask you lots of questions about your attitudes to different things, whether you've got a speeding fine in the last 12 months, all sorts of things, your lifestyle. And then they will say, okay, computer says you will die on this day. All right? <laughs> so I just wonder what that would do to people's attitude to those around them. And also, you know, we have a birthday, but we also have a – like a death day, and I think that would focus people's minds on what's important. John, thoughts? Well, Peter, I think there's a book in that, <laughs> uh, and it would be a blues-oriented
2: book with uh, "death" in the title, which which you do find in many blues songs. Death so, Day like Blues or something like that. Dead day death, day, death Day Blues. Death
0: Day Blues. Death Day Blues. I'm
1: not sure I want to know my. Oh,
0: well, Jess, you've got to get got to finish this book and move <laughs> on to something else. Well, well, John, it's always a pleasure. You've been a great friend to our podcast. You, you helped us out when we needed to re-edit a number of things. And great book. I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, and also, listeners, we're part of the Urban Broadcast Collective. And I would urge all listeners to have a look at that. John? Yes, the the book is
2: available online. It's rather expensive because it's a textbook hardcover and so on and if it's anyone, text deductible if anyone yes if anyone would like a copy i've got some that they can contact me personally on my email and and i'll get them a copy
0: uh, we'll put uh, a, with a put huge a link discount. On our website excellent and uh thank you listeners for in listening to us in your busy lives and jess let's get on to px 52 coming up shortly thank you john thank you jess thank you thank you both
2: morning, year round for my shoes. Everybody got this. Whoa, whoa, can do What Up this morning, year round for my shoes. But you
1: know about
2: it. I